0: Hi everyone, happy Wednesday night. Most of you can imagine that I'm kind of an Ernest Holmes nut. In fact, I think that's one of the reasons they invite me on Wednesday nights, is they know that people will get a good dose of Ernest Holmes, the the founder of Science of Mind. And as one of those sort of Ernest Holmes scholars, uh, I think I have read every single book of his. Even the ones that have his name on them, of course, are often collections of transcribed sermons and things like that. And I have pretty much read them all. And not too long ago, I was reading one of the more obscure ones, and I came across a prayer in it that I thought, I know I've heard this one before. And so I went back to a concordance, and sure enough, the same prayer was in the Living the Science of Mind, as well as the the book I was reading, as well as two or three others. And, And I did a little more research, and by gosh, if that prayer wasn't in about 20 different books that he has written. It's a very short one, and flavors of it are sprinkled throughout. It's not always exactly the same, but it's very nearly the same. And I thought I would share it with you tonight, and a little bit perhaps of why it's in so many of his books. So it's a simple one. There is one life. That life is God. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. And several of the practitioners (laughs) in the room are are repeating it, right? This is is in left field. You know that it's out there enough to where a lot of people have already heard about it. And so I wanted to talk about it tonight uh, in a couple of aspects. One, also the practitioners in the room probably realize it represents the first two steps of treatment. So to say there is one life and that life is God is basically saying everything there is, is God. And that's the first step of treatment. And then to say that life is my life now represents the second step. So every prayer that you ever hear on Sunday incorporates at least that idea into it. It is the the first two steps of what we do in terms of affirmative prayer. And because of that, I would offer up The reason for that is because we know that it's effective. Now, people pray for a lot of reasons. Sometimes I pray just out of comfort. Sometimes I don't necessarily know that my prayer is going to have an effect out on the world. And I'm just praying because it feels good. I'm just praying out of that sense of, of awe and beauty that one gets from sitting quietly and meditatively and doing a prayer. But I also know that a lot of times we pray and we want results. A lot of the times we'll, we'll offer up a prayer, not just because it feels good, but because we actually want to see a change in the world. We want our prayers to be answered. We want Aunt Helen to feel better. We, we want that new job really to show up. And so we're betting on, we're hoping on, we're praying for that prayer to actually be effective. And I will tell you, Ernest Holmes' prayers are effective because they follow this format. And it isn't so much necessarily the words that he uses, and it isn't necessarily the phrasing of it, but it's the way they're constructed. And so we're going to talk about that more tonight. And I think a good place to start would be a joke. So uh, three preachers sat discussing the most effective ways to pray while a telephone repairman worked nearby. Well, kneeling is definitely best, claimed the first preacher. You get on your knees and you pray to high heaven. No, another contended, I get the best results after meditation and when I'm walking in nature. Then you can really see and feel God listening to you when you pray. You're both wrong, the third insisted. The most effective prayer position is lying prostrate, face down on the floor. Only when you make yourself feel so low can you connect with what's on high. Well, the repairman couldn't contain himself any longer. Hey, fellows, he interrupted. The best praying I ever did was hanging upside down from a telephone pole. (laughs) And I think that's the truth of the matter. It isn't so much the words that we use. It isn't a matter whether we're in our special room or here on Sunday. It's the attitude that we bring to the prayer, and that specifically is what Ernest Holmes is doing in his favorite prayer. But you know what? Of course, it didn't start with Ernest Holmes. And and he, in many ways, contributes, or, or attributes, I should say, his method of prayer to Jesus. And he goes back to that idea of it is done unto you, as you believe. And so part of the idea of an affirmative prayer is we speak it as though we already have it. We state it affirmatively. What we want is what we will get if we believe it first. But you know what? It didn't even start with Jesus. Jesus, of course, was trained in the the mosaic tradition from Moses and and Moses's prayers as recounted in the Bible have that element in them But you know what? Moses was actually trained in his religious experience as well By the ancient religions of the pharaohs in Egypt, right? Remember remember this story of Moses and the bulrushes and being raised with Pharaoh and that whole stuff? So what was that ancient tradition? Well, it was called the tradition of Hermes, the Hermetic tradition. And that flavor, that initial spiritual principle of you, if you will, that Moses would have been trained in was called, as above, so below, And uh, although uh, that particular phrase and a few other connecting phrases were were preserved in the uh, emerald tablet of Hermes, Most of the actual teachings, written down anyway, of Hermetics were destroyed uh, when the library at Alexandria was burned down. And so really it was only through an oral tradition that some of these more specific Hermetic teachings come down to us. And so I'm going to read you just a little bit from uh, something uh, basically at the beginning of the the uh, the 20th century uh, about this idea of as above, so below. The great hermetic principle embodies the truth that there is a harmony, an agreement, and a correspondence between the several planes of existence. This truth is a truth because all that is included in the universe emanates from the same source, and the same laws, principles, and characteristics apply to each unit, each combination of units, each activity, and each manifests its own phenomena on its own plane of existence. For the purpose of convenience of thought and study, the Hermetic philosophy considers that the universe may be divided into three great classes of phenomenon, known as the three great planes, namely, the great physical plane, the great mental plane, and the great spiritual plane. These divisions are more or less artificial and arbitrary, for the truth is that all three divisions are but ascending degrees, Of the great scale of life, the lowest point of which is undifferentiated matter, and the highest point, that of pure spirit. And so, as above, so below, simply means that what is good at God at God's level also works for us down here on the physical plane. What it's basically saying is that the principles with which God created the universe, the, the principles of, uh, of joy, of peace, the, the principles that we think of as that those templates of Godhood, all of those spiritual principles, not only worked for God, not only allowed God to do the, the Big Bang that created everything, but even on our lower level of things, even in the human existence the same principles, the same way of being, the same love, and the same light exist for us to use, to have, and to experience, and at the same level of power and consistency. As above, so below. And so, in Ernest Holmes' prayer, when he talks about the, the perfection of God, there is only one life, that life is God, that life is perfect that life is my life. Now there's the hermetic principle. I'm saying that, that God is perfect and therefore humanity is perfect and therefore there is perfection in my life as well. And so in our little meditation that we did today, All of those things that you attributed to God, whether it was the force of the waves crashing on the beach, whether it was the the beauty of a sunset that you might have seen out in nature, whether it was the tranquility of a lake while you're out fishing, or whether it was the the harmony of hearing bird songs, all of those things that we attribute to nature, to our higher power, to, to something beyond and above humanity, I am here to tell you it is in you as well. It has to be, because you are made of the same stuff. Even in the Bible, when it says that that we are made in God's image, it doesn't actually mean that God looks like this. (laughs) And that's probably a good thing. (laughs) What it means, as above, so below. That the same characteristics of God, the same love of God, the same joy that God experiences through creativity, the same essences of, of everything that is God is also mine. We are created in God's image because all that is possible in God is also possible in us. It's the way we're made. And we don't even have to do anything special. You know, some ideas of God from other religions are that God is more of a remote kind of character, looking down and judging us a bit, maybe pulling a few strings here and there. You know, people have messed up a little bit too much over here. We'll send an earthquake to kind of level the playing field. And, and under those ideas of God, what we have to be good in some way. We have to measure up in order to have our prayers answered, in order to have that sense that God is on our side. Not so in what we believe. The mere fact that we are willing to consider divinity within ourselves is enough to begin seeing our lives as divine and is enough to begin reaping the benefits of the divine life. All we have to do is change our thinking into thoughts of love, into thoughts of joy, into thoughts of abundance, into thoughts of whatever it is that you see God having and it is yours to experience. That is the power of this prayer. It's the power of the hermetic principle, as above, so below. And so how do we pray? Well, we certainly can go to a class and learn how to do five-step treatment. And I would recommend it. And, I, and I, they can't sign up this week. Foundations, they can sign up for next Wednesday. Okay, all right. So I'm already doing a, a, pl- a plug for, uh, for classes. But you will, of course, want to take a class to learn how to do... Uh, Ernest Holmes fabulous affirmative prayers that we call treatment they are amazing and they start with those first two hermetic uh, concepts Uh, as God is powerful so am I powerful that's how they all start with that kind of formation with that kind of idea so you'll want to do that but you know what you don't even really need to do something like a formal prayer to take advantage of this. And I want to tell you a, a story from, uh, oh gosh, I suppose it's 20 years ago when I first got started in science of mind. And uh, at that time I worked for the telephone company and one of my uh, honors and privileges was they would send me out on trade shows for microcomputers and, and things like that. And one year there was a, a computer show, show in Manhattan in New York and they sent uh, 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 one of my co-workers and, and me to Manhattan. Well, I actually am not much of a traveler. And so here I am in the middle of uh, one of the world's largest cities. And, uh, you know, kind of Seattle was the biggest city I'd ever been in before. And so we're doing the usual tourist stuff, right? We're like walking around, looking, looking at the uh, skyscrapers and and. I have to say this wasn't a time in New York City's history where things were the most safe. Actually, New York City is really safe right now. It's a great uh, tourist destination for families. It's a wonderful place to be. But if you back up about 20 years, oh my gosh, you walk down Broadway and it's prostitution and drug dealing, you know? Central Park, people were dying every night, and here, my friend Craig and I were kind of like, just fell off the turnip truck, and we're in the middle of New York City, and so the the concierge at the hotel was trying to help us a little bit, like, uh, like well, all right, why don't you take, a, no, you really don't want to take a taxi to the theater district, you know, you 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 want to go with someone in a private car or, you know, and, and getting out of the theater on 42nd Street at night, it's not, you know, this is not a good thing. You, you want to make sure you've called a cab ahead of time and going through all the things that we wanted to do. And, and we were okay with that and kind of naive a little bit at the same time. And... Uh, one of the things we wanted to do, uh, that Craig, my friend, wanted to do, actually, was to go see the Blue Man Group. And you've probably even, some of you have even heard of it. It's like, a, it's like something that's been running for 30 years now. But at that time, we, we took the subway down and, uh, and we watched the show. It ended up being like three hours long. And uh, so we're on the subway and it's midnight and we're coming back to our hotel in Times Square. And we did begin noticing the subway was kind of full of people that were maybe a little threatening looking. I, I mean, uh, I did worry about our safety a little bit, but not terribly. And, uh, and then somehow we got lost a little bit and we ended up popping up out of the subway system probably about six blocks from Times Square where our hotel was, and the blocks are big in New York City, too. Six blocks here, you wouldn't even think anything about it, but it's like about maybe four of our blocks or five of our blocks is one of their blocks. So it was quite a ways, and we began noticing that something was going on in that there were scores and scores of angry young men that were kind of converging on Times Square. And so we went into the lobby of, a, of another hotel on the edge of Times Square and the concierge there said, oh, didn't you know it's a Black Panther rally tonight? And so we're looking across Times Square and it's a, it's a sea of faces and chanting and drumming and I'm kind of thinking, how do we go how do we get there? How do we get there? And so, so Craig, uh, my friend, naively, just literally starts kind of wading in. And I'm kind of following him. And oh my gosh, we're starting to get unwelcome glances. And we're both starting to feel really uncomfortable. And this elderly black gentleman pulled us aside and said, boys, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> And so we explain while well, we're coming home from the show that we went to, and I could see he's like, <sighs> <laughs> and so this elderly black gentleman, probably in his 70s, took us literally by the lapels, led us back down into the subway station, and navigated us through some tunnels and some other things, And lo and behold, we came up on the opposite side of Times Square, right at our hotel. He took us in, took us over to the concierge, and said, do not allow these young men to come out again. (laughs) All right, so how does this apply to any of this, you might ask? I was reading this book. And it was fun because I went back to my bookshelf and I still have the highlights and stuff from that trip. I had just started in uh, in Science of Mind and the minister at the time, Reverend Annie Green from the Portland Center for Spiritual Living, I said, well, what's a good book that I should read? What should be the first book that I should read? And God bless her because she didn't say the Science of Mind textbook. Instead, she said, can we talk to God? And so I'd been reading it on the plane, and I'd been reading it while we were at the hotel, and I wanna read to you the parts that I have uh, highlighted and underlined here. This is what I was reading on this grand adventure. We each contact God through our own mentality in an individual way, drawing from it an expression which makes sense to us. For instance, if we are surrounded by the idea of beauty, Whoever dwells upon beauty will find the beautiful and will become beautiful. If we make ourselves receptive to the idea of love, if we expect love, we will become irresistible and lovable. If we make ourselves receptive to the ideas of peace, to poise, to calm, to safety, calling upon these divine realities... We will find them flowing through us, and we become peaceful, poised, and calm at the center of our own experience. Truth comes from the inner to the outer self, from God, the universal spirit, to God, the manifest person. Do you see why we didn't get into any trouble while we were in New York? We were expecting the people to be loving and kind. We were expecting a a, a beautiful experience, uh, which we found. We were expecting safety and joy, and we knew that in God's world, it was possible. We should expect it. And because of that, because of our ideas of uh, as above, so it was for us below. Now this was long before I learned any fancy Ernest Holmes prayers. This was long before I had an idea of even having a prayer practice. But already the ideas of science of mine had taken root in me because I recognized that that which I really saw and expected to see would be my experience and so i'm going to summarize today first of all handed down from the great hermetic teachings as above so below meaning if it is in god it is also in you whether it's a spiritual principle whether it's a capability whether it's a part of the manifest universe if you consider it to be part of God, then it is also available to you. And then the corollary to that, the way we implement it in the world, whether it's through our prayers or whether it's uh, through we simply approach life, is that I can channel that power. I can use it through the power of my own thinking, through the power of my own expectations, that which is God's becomes mine because I am part of that divine God. And so let us look again, and Rand, if you would put that other slide up for me, let us look again one more time at the Ernest Holmes prayer. And if you would, let's say it a few times together. There is one life, that life is God that life is perfect, that life is my life now. There is one life, that life is God, that life is perfect, that life is my life now. As above, so below. And of course, the other thing you can do with this, if you want to personalize it a little more, take out the word perfect, and simply put in what it is you're wishing to experience. So you could say there is one life, that life is God. That life is wholeness. That life is my life now. You could say that life is abundant, and that life is my life now. You could say that that life is peaceful, that it's plenty, that it's joyous, so you claim what it is, because it's part of God. You unify yourself with it. That life is my life now. So I'm going uh, I'm going to close tonight um, with a, a little bit longer prayer. Um, so just close your eyes, if you would. Go within. And know with me that your most powerful and beautiful idea of God is the reality of it. In the same way that in our meditations we saw God as the beauty of a sunset. We saw God as the the power of the ocean. that We saw God as the love that we share with friends and family. Know with me that God is indeed all this that all that there is, anything you could ever want to experience is part of that majesty, part of that power, part of the universal God. It's the nature of it to be everything and everywhere. Every experience is part of God. All of it. God. And today, I unify myself with that. I know that on high, as above, so below I also get to experience it. That God's love is my love. That God's joy is my joy. That God's power and presence I have to use, to enjoy. That the peace of God is mine to experience in the world. The harmony of God is in my my home and in my relationships. That all that is God is also mine. And so I claim for each person in this room that this ancient hermetic principle is at work and active always in the lives of the people in this room that as they call forth their own idea of God in its power, that they can accept that power in their own lives. That as they call forth their best idea of God as love, so that love shows up in their relationships here on planet Earth. So that as each person here may recall the peace of a summer day or the tranquility of a fishing trip, that those qualities of God are manifest for each person here to experience in their own unique, their own blessed ways. This is the nature of God. This is that that principle of, of spirit moving through us and as us in all of our affairs. And for this, for this, I am grateful Grateful in knowing how it works, grateful in knowing why it works, grateful in that ability to dream God big, knowing that as big as I can make God in my own mind, then I I get to inherit that riches. I get to feel that extra oomph of love. I get to settle into that extra oomph of peace. Whatever it is that I'm I'm picturing in my mind's eye as that all-powerful God. It is also there for me. It is also there for the people in this room. And so in gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you. you.